Okay, well, welcome to Insights at Adipec. We're here on the wood stand, and we're going to be doing another podcast. My name's Colin Ross. I'm going to be guiding us through this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about energy security and how delivering mega projects can help us with that challenge. Where else better to be talking about that than here at Adipec and here in the Middle East? Um, I'm really delighted to be joined today by two colleagues from Wood. First of all, I've got Imad Yunus, our vice president from our projects business, locally based here. And then Chris Barton, vice president from growth and development in projects based in Houston, right Chris? Yes, sir. Could you tell us, just uh, give us a word or two of introduction? Yeah, so my name's Chris Barton. I'm the vice president for our uh, growth and development for the conventional energy business. I sit on uh, Jim Shaughnessy's leadership team in the, in the conventional energy projects business. I've got a very strong EPC background. Most of my career was with McDermott and KBR and Technip, and I've been with Wood for about 10 years now. Very good. Imad, you're based locally here. It's great to have you. Yes, I am. Uh, thanks very much. I'm, I'm vice president for our projects business in the UAE. I've been here nine years, and the journey in here has been very interesting because being involved, you know, privileged to have been involved in some of the mega projects that Adnok has done in the region. Uh, my history with the company is 30 plus years, so I've been around. Very and good. Uh, yeah, we're excited to be in, at Adipec yet again. Very good. And seeing, you know, it's bigger and better than it's ever been mm. before. Well, thanks, Imad. Over 35 years, you'll have seen various cycles yeah. in our energy story. Here at Adipec, as we've been talking over the past few days, this topic of energy security has suddenly found itself back on the table in a very major way. Um, we've been talking a lot. Dr. Sultan said in the opening ceremony, he, he, he talked about maximizing energy and minimizing emissions. And I think that's the challenge in front of us, right? Uh, but I'm keen to just hear your perspectives. And this concept of energy security is a big macro concept. What is it and why do we care? Chris, why don't I come to you first? Yeah, no, it's interesting because if, you know, if you flash back a year or so, you never really heard much about energy security. It was about energy transition. I think the situation in Europe and, and the Ukraine situation has really put a, you know, more emphasis on energy security. And it's, and it's really about, you know, developing reliable and affordable energy sources. And it's not just oil and gas, which is pivotal, but it's about securing energy sources to enable economic growth and to enable these economies to grow. But it's really about trying to diversify your energy supply so that you're not overly reliant on one particular uh, energy source, if you will. Imad, we were talking earlier about this balance between energy security and energy transition, they're not mutually exclusive, right? They're not, Colin. Uh, I think it's very important in the drive towards energy security, which will involve a lot of investment, many new assets coming, coming in. These must be done responsibly and sustainably. And, you know, once we say responsibly and sustainably, we must think about future generations to come. So, you know, we need to be environmentally very conscious. And that's where I think there needs to be a lot of investment done in securing energy, in deploying technology, 
and decarbonization to make sure the new assets operate efficiently. And effectively, we come out of this cycle, you know, much stronger. That's very good. So, uh, you know, I, I think about energy security and I think about this region as, a, as one of the key opportunities to quickly and at pace be able to deal with the energy security situation. I think about mega projects, think about Safania Manifa, I think about the, the huge projects going on in Kuwait, I think about the big huge projects happening here with, with Adnoc. Um, what, how can mega projects help us begin to deal with this issue and, and what do we need to do to accelerate that? Chris, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I think the, um, the whole thing around pace is is important you know there you know when you walk around the show you do get a s sense that there's there's more of a sense of urgency now you know to get these projects on track to secure these reserves to get that production going and you know my sense is talking to customers and talking to people on the floor that um, that there is a sense of urgency that we really need to move these projects forward if we want to deal with the energy security issues and and like like Iman said, doing it responsibly, energy security and energy transition are interlinked with each other. We have to develop these reserves in a responsible way. And and it's like, you know, it's like his excellency said, you know, maximum energy, minimum emissions, you know, and be smart about how we go about it. Absolutely. So so I'm sitting here with two very accomplished projects, guys. And you know, I guess my question is, when we think about these mega, mega projects, what are the priorities that we're wrestling with? And maybe have those priorities shifted in light of some of the discussion we're having here on the current environment at a macro level? Emma? I think, you know, with a gap in, in the energy supply, you know, everybody now is chasing additional production, additional energy supply. That's going to put a huge strain on the supply chain. Whether talking about mm. engineering, fabrications, even you know when you go to construction, so the quest the question is, you know, how can you achieve acceleration with certainty, without compromising what you are trying to achieve? Because at speed, is is very easy to trip in doing deficient design because you are trying to accelerate, mm. but. It remains the design is fundamental. Good design is fundamental to achieve what you are trying to achieve. That's going to require a different way of working between the owner and the contractor. It's going to need close co uh, collaboration all the way through, and it's going to need everybody to be brave to say, "I'm going to commit to a market capacity early on." before I am 100% or I'm gonna spend my time on what takes me to make the early commitment and be brave about it. Because current processes are, are like gated process. You shall finish everything before you move into the next phase. This model doesn't, doesn't deliver acceleration. So new ways of thinking are fundamentally critical to deliver huge programs of work quickly, yet delivering delivering the security, at the same time being responsible. Yeah. Yeah, and if I may add to that, there's definitely a mind shift, a mindset shift because 
they're moving, we're seeing a lot of operators move away from the traditional contracting model sure. and going more towards frame agreements. How do we secure resources on a long-term basis? And, and, and really, they see, they see on the horizon that there's going to be some significant constraints. So they want to try to lock those in. So they're now starting to approach the market in a different way and have different conversations about collaboration, about different contracting models, and about you know, how we can work more effectively together while still not compromising the quality and the delivery certainty around the project. And you know, we were at a, a breakfast session this morning and there's no absence of capital, right? There's pl plenty of capital available in theory, but the deployment of that is a bit of a challenge, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, um, you mentioned resources, so I want to I want to touch on this for a minute. You know, this this idea of resources is 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 a, I think anyone who's in this similar position to Wood, any of our peers, will be having this conversation around resources. How do we attract and retain the right people? You know, I'm thinking both in in terms of bringing folks maybe from other industries who who maybe left the industry, but also how do we grow those that that talent as well for the long term? Any in my opinion, I mean, I, I look at my I have two girls. Yeah, and uh, they just finished university, and I had an interesting conversation with a younger one, getting into her career, and her view about career is totally different from my view when I began my, my career. Y you know, sustainability is absolutely fundamental in her mind. You know, ev being environmentally responsible is fundamental. So to attract younger generations in. We must make our industry more attractive, more responsible. We, we need really, you know, strong publicity why the energy market at large is responsible, is environmentally friendly as far as possible. So attracting new generations is fundamental. But historically, our industry has been cyclic. So we've seen very little investment during the, the, the previous downturn, you know, pandemic and the likes. <clears throat> and, and that contributed into a big gap in terms of job market and in terms of ensuring the energy demand in five years time has been secured. So a lot of work to do to make our industry attractive, but attracting talent is not enough. So. Us as companies, we need to invest in the talent, grow it, progress it, advance it. That for me is responsible. And you know, we've talked about this a couple of times. Who better to solve the energy crisis than the energy companies themselves, right? Absolutely. And we look in this region and we look at the leadership we're seeing from the, the, the countries here and from the national oil companies here we're going to see a step change in hydrogen and carbon capture and all these kind of things, which uh, will solve a lot of the problems pretty quickly yeah. at a pace. And I think back to Imad's point, that that's the compelling sort of value proposition that will attract people right. into the industry. You know, they see this desire to develop oil and gas reserves responsibly, you know, and carbon capture and hydrogen and electrification, you know, those are exciting things. We want to we want to give people a reason to come into the industry and to come into these companies. And we have to develop training programs. We have to make it exciting for them to want to be here. Yeah, they, they. I want to go back just for, for two seconds to this, this idea of the priorities for, for delivering mega projects. We've talked about pace. 
We've talked about resources. What about predictable delivery? What about um, you know just setting ourselves up for success? What do we need to do to achieve that? That's fundamental, I think. So there needs to be total clarity on objective and purpose. There needs to be alignment and co collaboration between end owner and the supply chain. They need to work hand in hand and be really flexible and able to adjust to make sure you know they, are, they remain on target to achieve the end. You know, it's back into you know tra traditional say in project management, you know, front end loading. You need the definition. <clears throat> so you get certainty, but the, the, the challenge in here with space, you're not gonna achieve full definition. So you need to be brave. You need, you need to be able to define what's the critical to success, define it early on, not everything else. So you maintain pace, commit to it, be brave, commit to it. That takes a lot of trust and empowerment in the delivery teams. And the delivery team, when I say delivery team, it's not only client or contractor, it's the totality. It needs to be one team delivering one objective and, and you know, be empowered to make decisions. Very good. My, my last point I'd like to just explore on this one is um, what needs to happen to enable final investment decisions? We, we touched on that just in, even in the conversation this morning. What is it? What's going to take to get those final investment decisions over the line and start moving here, Chris? Well, I think a lot of, you know, when you're looking at these projects, um, you know, you need to have good, accurate estimates, you know, because a lot of times you've seen these estimates blow out of proportion and, and that has a big impact on these operators' ability to finalize those investment decisions. But I think a lot of it is, is having the right definition up front and making sure that there, there's a good understanding of what the scope and cost and schedule is to enable them to make those decisions in a smart way and uh, commit the funding. But I think that's, that's part of it. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I would like to add, you know, seeing during the downturn, because clients' sight has been on return on investment in today's market, that caused a lot of recycles on investment decisions. You know, a decision is made, we're going to invest. They launch the project and then the next gate, it doesn't add up. So we recycle again. It goes back into investment is not only for today. Investment needs to continue because investment today deliver energy requirements in five years time. And yeah, it's recognized that the market is cyclic. When there is a down cycle, there's always an up cycle. You know, population is growing, demand for energy will continue to grow. So ultimately there will be a return on investment. and, and with this comes, I go back to the word of being brave to continue to commit sustainably. So, you know, energy security then is sustained. I really appreciate your input today, gentlemen. Um, last question for me. As I walk the halls, as I sit and listen to the presentations, as I join the round tables here this week, I get a sense of optimism. I get a sense of energy and hope. 
Chris, do you reflect that? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I also, it gets back to that sense of urgency. But no, there's a good buzz in this show. This is probably one of the better shows I've been to in a long time. And it's got a good buzz to it. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of investment flowing into this part of the world. And I think you're going to see you're going to see a lot of these projects really start to move forward in a good way. Imad, you're in the region which is going to probably ride the wave more than any other region. What's, what's your reflection? You, you excited? I, I am. Uh, <clears throat> I am indeed. I think uh, what's impressive in this ADIPEC is from the beginning, the opening uh, keynote speech, you know, Adno CEO, yeah, he Dr. Sultan yeah. Al-Jabir, his, his message was crispy clear and really inspiring. That's great. So yeah. I think that's did set the tone for opti optimism, I think, around this year's ADIPEC. Maximum energy, minimum emissions. Responsibly, sustainably. Yeah. Let's get after Absolutely. it. Thank you very much for Thank joining you. me. Thank you. At, at Wood, our curiosity keeps us pushing, innovating, and making the impossible possible. Thanks very much for joining Insights at ADPEC. Uh, thank you, Colin. Thank you, Colin.